Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of CXCast. Sam Stern joined by Jenny Wise. As always, hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And we have our colleague, David Trogue, who is Vice President Research Director on our Customer Experience Research Team in the studio with us. Hi, David. Hello, everybody. In addition to being our Research Director, he's also uh, facilitating, leading, chairing, emceeing, whatever you call it, our upcoming CX San Francisco event forum. Uh, so David, we wanted to have you in because I think there's a lot of interesting speakers, topics at this event. We thought it would be fun to preview it, starting with the tagline for the event, which hopefully gives us some indication of what the event is going to be about, which is new strategies for immersive, seamless, digital customer experiences. So immersive, seamless seem to be the key words there. What do you mean? And, and those are pretty widely overused words. And I think it's helpful to think about in a way what they're not also. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, immersive experiences, uh, uh, that's often used as kind of as if it's just an unconditional good. I don't want all my experiences to be immersive. <laughs> Some experiences should really be ambient, you know, and so there's kind of a contrast between, for example, you know, you're in your car and you need to know that it's running out of gas. Well, there's a gauge that gets lower and lower. That's a very ambient experience. Eventually, it starts beeping at you when you're getting too low, right? A little less ambient. Mm -hmm. And then something happened to me a couple of years ago. I was driving and suddenly the panel in front of me said, stop driving now or the engine will be damaged. It wasn't gas. It was something else had to do with the oil, you know? So important for you to know that. That's right. That was an immersive stop the car journey that you were on with your car. It was, exactly. It went from, so there's a spectrum from ambient to immersive. And then, of course, often what people mean by immersive is not just sort of cognitively immersive, but really centrally immersive as well. And, of course, that's where, you know, uh, virtual reality and with things that actually immerse all of your senses come into play. So we are definitely at this event talking about the more immersive end of the spectrum, not those ambient experiences. And then the seamless part, what we mean by that, you know, a seam is a place where two things join together. The Mm -hmm. question is, are they joined together for a good reason or by accident? Is it a desirable seam or is it a seam that you really would rather not have there? And our focus is going to be on those undesirable seams, not on, you know, just to give an example of a good seam, a boundary between two things um, in an experience. For example, you've put some items in your shopping cart and then you buy them. So, right, so you cross a kind of a threshold. It's really important for that seam to be present. You don't want, as a customer, to accidentally buy something. Right. Or looking at the terms of a service contract and then committing to it. It's important that that seam be there. We'll be focusing on immersive experiences and seamless experiences. You were just describing seams in a way to me that almost made them sound positive in, in many instances. Yeah. So I wonder, when, when do we think about it's a good seam versus it's uh, something that it should be more seamless? Yes, yeah, so the the kinds of seams. Well, we'll be talking about that a little <laughs> later on, maybe. That's because a great question. That's a, that yes, exactly. Jenny right will now. be one of the key voters, ah, yes. and so she can maybe talk a little bit about that because some are obviously uh, not the seams you want. Yeah, so I guess we can dive into seams more and how we pick them apart a little bit. I won't spend too much time on it because, as you mentioned, this can be a full keynote. It can be a full report down the road. <laughs> but when we think about a seam, right, it's that boundary that you come across when you're trying to get something done or accomplish some goal, and some of them are are actually helpful, right? David mentioned some that were helpful. You can also think about Alexa. I need a trigger word to turn Alexa on. Mm. That's a seam, right? If Alexa was just listening constantly all the time and just helping out when I needed it or when it perceived that I needed it, that would be helpful. But I want that seam there because it's identifying that there's this privacy boundary that it's respecting, right? Which everybody wants that we ever talk to about voice technologies. But then there are the seams that people complain about. I guarantee everyone listening right now, all of us here in the studio can think of a time where we ran across a seam that was a pain. So when you are logged into an experience, you click a link, it logged you out, you had to log in again. 
that's a seam, right? It's requiring yeah. more effort for me to accomplish that. And so that's something that you could use technology to remove, for example. And so when we began to think about seams, there are these seams that are just a creation or a result of bad design, right? You didn't use the right technology to remove that seam to make sure that the experience stayed logged in. Or you required me to process too much information to make my decision at right. once instead of chunking it. And then there are the seams that aren't the fault of the designer necessarily. And those are seams that appear because of human capabilities, right? So for example, I can only perceive so much information at a time. Right. And so if you so give a seam me, has to pop up here uh, at yeah, some point. Yeah, I need a seam there or else I'm going to find this an overwhelming experience that I have to leave. It's like periods and paragraphs in prose, ah, right? Yeah, I mean, breaks or bullet breaks. text, yeah. right? If you're yeah. thinking about content and text. Um, then there's human behavior. Maybe you've created this seamless experience where I could accomplish, you know, from first researching a product to buying it online. But, you know, I want to take a break in the experience. I have to get off my phone where I've started this experience or whatnot, or I want to talk to someone else about it. So I'm going to create a break. And then there's another one, which is technology, right? Technology cannot create all seamless experiences today. So those are some of the root causes that... We mentioned our root causes, not because they're the only reasons that seems ever appear, but they are reasons that you really have to consider because they're going to present the opportunity for seams that you have to look out for. I'm surprised I didn't hear you say one other. I think a root cause of a lot of seams in experiences for customers are the org chart or org structure of the organization. So I will say that's interesting that you mentioned that. The root causes I mentioned are those that are these more sort of intangible things that you cannot change how people are. You cannot create technology that doesn't exist, you know, in that moment that you're trying to apply it as a company. But you can, right, pick a better CRM technology that would make an experience more seamless. Or you could create a better org chart, right, or employee experience or enable them with better tools. So I guess those are root causes that you could technically change. Change and work on. I think in some cases, um, the seams in the organization can be the causes of some of the seams that right. we're talking about. Some of the design mistakes, for example, right. and the technology issues that are driven by a dysfunctional organization. Yeah, well, I, yeah, it I, definitely creates seams. That's it, for it, sure. It creates seams, right? There's there's handoffs between. Well, that's not my responsibility. Right. It's the other departments, or right. you know, so much of the challenge call center employees face is issues caused by other departments that didn't take totally. into account what the service interaction might right. be like yeah. when this happened. And the question is, is that a scene you can control or you can't control? Yeah, well, in my talk where I've been sort of thinking about or wrestling with this idea is there's a you know, almost a truism that, oh, we need to bust silos. We need to get rid of, you know, divisions in our organization. The second you get above, like, into even low double digits of people, you probably have to organize them into some sort of subgroups from the overall group, let alone mm -hmm. at companies with tens of thousands of employees and different products and different geographies, which is to say that seams will exist in any organizational structure that you choose. Now you can move them around and make them different, but you can't get rid of them entirely. Mm -hmm. And so that's where a thing that um, I, I, we've been sort of thinking about is not, and, and, and then the connections between those different parts of the org, it's not to make them invisible necessarily either. Because I think it is, as, as you were talking about, it's nice sometimes to know I'm in this area and can't be disturbed by this other area. So I can actually do my work and my team can do what we're supposed to do. But that when I need to, there is this connection that I can 
join up on my end or that I can reach out and wait for them to join up on their end. So it's almost on-demand connections, right? Ability to connect when I need it, but ability to disconnect when I need to focus or when my team needs to focus is, is sort of how we're thinking yeah. about the org structure yeah. seems. Which I think is interesting because seems sometimes you cannot control them, you cannot remove them, they are constrained. Mm-hmm. So you have to acknowledge them and figure out how you'll navigate around them. And that's a really important knob to be able to turn between those two extremes that you were talking about, Sam, depending on the job function you're in, the project you're working on, and uh, in some cases, even the nature of your brand and your mission as a company, I think. Yeah. You know, the idea that we want to break down these teams and be more seamless is good, except that I think there's there's sometimes a inclination to over-connect, right? To have too many meetings where we're coordinating across our seams. Mm-hmm. We have too many conversations that take us away from our actual work. And that can be a distraction then from our core competencies, our core functions as a team, as a, as a unit. And so you want coordination, you want connections, but without it destroying what you actually need to do. Yeah. And you need both. And, and so as David said, there's sort of a tension there. You have to live with a balance. So um, one of our other speakers will be uh, on our team, analyst uh, Kelly Price. And Kelly will be examining another dimension to this, which is there are seams in the experiences you design, but there are also seams in the experiences of your customers in their daily lives. Maybe seams that you haven't addressed yet. And so those don't represent so much you know, problems you need to fix in what you're already doing, but real opportunities for innovation in your products and your services in finding new ways to, to create value for your potential customers and your current customers um, with those new, uh, those new experiences. And so Kelly's going to talk about the difference between those two and specifically what are the research methods that are appropriate mm. for doing that. Mm-hmm. Is there one that stands out to you, you know, sort of a, a seam in a customer's life that was a inspiration for a new product or service? as an example? Oh, well, I think, you know, you can pretty much take any product that you like to use, <laughs> right? So, uh, for example, you know, I, I, I use a, uh, a, a cleaning service called Rinse that, you know, picks up and drops off your dry cleaning at home and uh, you, all the interactions with them are via text. Very convenient. That definitely limited it a seam um, right. in my life of having right. to actually go someplace to drop off. Yeah. Remembering to go to the dry cleaner on Sunday when every dry cleaner in the world is closed. Right. Apparently. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Like there are seams that frustrate us that we hate when we come across them. Mm-hmm. And then there are seams that we've just accepted as the norm. And so this yes. is a way to maybe identify, it sounds like, what are some of those seams that are the norm that are actually untapped opportunities to yep. disrupt or create something different. Like yes. I didn't know that ordering a taxi was annoying, although I did, but I accepted that was normal. Yeah. Uh, but then Uber and Lyft came along, right? And, right? and removed that seam of having to flag down or call a taxi and then wait and look out the window. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. And, cool. and, and you can imagine, for example, okay, so now that the service exists that I use, you can imagine ways in which they would find, look at seams in the experience they're delivering and think, okay, how could we make the process of communicating with customers smoother and, you know, that kind of seam identification. But it takes stepping back and looking at how I was living my life and what the scenes in my life, or as you described, Sam, trying to find a place where you can pick up or drop off on a Sunday to realize, okay, we need to take a different approach to this um, mm-hmm. and, sol- and solve the problem with a, a bigger aperture. In addition to, uh, so Jenny will be uh, kicking us off and Sam will be uh, in the middle. Kelly will be uh, right in between the two in second position. And um, on day two, we'll have Andrew Hogan, um, also analyst on the CX team. And Andrew 
will be talking about the tension between the design side of the house uh, and algorithms and the people involved in algorithms, engineering and data, and how some of that tension is often the rise, gives rise to, uh, to seams and experiences. Um, and at the end of that day, we'll have uh, another keynote from our colleague Renee Murphy on the security and risk team. And Renee will be talking about reputation and how when something goes really badly, from really bad scenes and those experiences, it can damage your brand's reputation mm. in part because of the new abilities of customers to organize. And what she means by organize is she's drawing an analogy to unions and how unions can organize and wield immense power, even though individually perhaps they may not, through social media and other platforms in ways that, mm. that brands have to respond to in ways that they never had to before. So those are the five Forrester uh, analysts who will be giving keynotes, but we'll also have a great uh, lineup of folks from industry. Uh, ben Galbraith, who's senior director at uh, Google. Uh, Mariah Garrett, chief design officer at USAA. Pete Thompson, VP of Amazon's Alexa voice service. Chris Messina, the guy who invented the hashtag. Uh, Which, by the way, is kind of, that was kind of a example of removing a seam, right? Like, if I want to yes, follow a, really interesting a set of content, a conversation, a hashtag is a way to keep track of it. And yeah. what's interesting about the hashtag to me is that it's uh, it's a, fi- a kind of emerging seamlessness, right? It's not like some central authority said, this is going to be the taxonomy of tags that people will use for organizing content yeah. on the web. Anybody can just take a string of words and put a hash sign in front of it and it becomes a hashtag that search engines and other mechanisms can detect. So it's an emergent taxonomy mm-hmm. um, for, for web content that yeah. it turns out probably when Chris Messina originally pitched this idea, it sounded really nerdy. It turns out to have been extremely, extremely relevant as we can all see. Yeah. yeah. Now people talk about hashtags, say hashtag, right. he's, he's That's changed right. the entire language. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and we'll have a couple other speakers uh, on the main stage. Uh, Nisha Hathi, uh, she's Schwab's EVP and Chief Digital Officer. Uh, Sebastian Reichelt, who's uh, Senior Director at uh, HelloFresh. And um, lots of other, both industry speakers and Forrester analysts uh, in deep dives throughout the two days. And I think we're uh, expecting about 900 attendees there who will be a mix of uh, senior CX pros, marketers, innovators, technologists. So it's an opportunity to not just hear all the great content from from the stage and from these deep dives, but also to network with colleagues um, and make those connections. Seamlessly transition between networking with colleagues and listening to great content. Exactly. Stages, It'll be a truly immersive experience. Great. Well, well David, thank you for joining us to preview our upcoming Customer Experience San Francisco Forum, which is on October 2nd and 3rd in San Francisco, right in the Big Hilton on Union Square. That's right. New venue this year. So uh, listeners, we have posted a link to the events page if you would like to join us. It's not too late as we're uh, getting this uh, podcast up a few weeks before the event. And if you're listening to it after then, well, we missed you. We had a great event and uh, (laughs) it all went as seamlessly and immersively as we thought it would. We'll talk to you all on next week's CXCast. Bye for now. If you have feedback or questions about this week's episode, please email us at cxcast, one word, at forrester.com. And remember, your customer's perceptions is your customer experience reality.